everyone, welcome back to America, Mao and the Metaverse with the two Pauls. For those of you who are listening to the podcast, you just missed the video of Paul's new puppy, which is certainly the highlight of my day. But Paul, one of the things I wanted to talk about, speaking of puppies and kids and and those sort of things, is a story about my own my own my own fourteen year old son, who I'm starting to talk a little bit about about finance and money, and just trying to not the basics. I'm not trying to turn him into a crypto maven or anything like that, but just talking about the basics of things. And it's really hard to have a conversation with a fourteen year old who is you know who is technology aware and internet aware to say that investments where you make 50 times your money in a two-year period is not the norm, right? So, you know, if you, you talk to someone like Angus, you know, or Angus is, you know, you know, ninth graders, 10th graders, 11th graders, they, their idea of investing is Dogecoin and buying crypto and 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 becoming a millionaire overnight and trying to to try to beat those those bad habits out of your out of, out of out of your kids when that ain't the real world they're going to face is 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 a real challenge now so i flew i flew over from from, from chicago to london last night and i was thinking on the plane about this about despite the fact i don't want to talk about you know 10 bagging 10 bagger 100 bagger opportunities first thing popped in my head was where are the next 100 bagger opportunities going mm-hmm. and the, right. the only thing i could think about was a i thought of you and b i thought about buying digital land and the first thing that popped into my head was I need to buy I need to buy some digital land on the Fifth Avenue of whatever digital city is going to be the I think it's in Sandbox or something like that and putting a Louis Vuitton and putting up a, a Louis Vuitton mall in there where Louis Vuitton will pay me rent to to sell Birkin bags to uh, digital Birkin bags to people. So, but if you've done so much work on the metaverse, it's something which is yeah. Let's be honest, it's hard for yeah hard for older investors to get their head around this. The notion that uh, I was seeing on Sandbox in particular, uh, their you know, properties, digital properties were selling four and $5 million a, a pop, which is, you know, for, for me, fucking crazy, right? Yeah. But, but again, you don't think it's crazy. And you've always thought this for a while. Talk a little bit about you know, some of the recent work you've done on Metaverse and, and tell a burgeoning old dude why, why, that, why it's not as silly as it sounds. Well, I mean, yeah, I've, I've, I've talked to like at least three of my clients and their property teams. Their property teams have got to get their heads around this, you know, for their as a professional obligation. And so, I've spent ninety minutes, two hours with three different teams on three different continents about this. And I would say that again, I just hearken back to one of the great uh, stories I heard from a, a friend of mine in Singapore, who's Australian Chinese, who made a hundred million dollars on a a crypto, sort of a, a crypto, a diversified crypto exchange, basically, and his own coin, basically. And he made a good point. He said, if you, I could buy a $10 million painting and I can put a $10 million painting on my wall and I can enjoy that painting by myself and my girlfriend can enjoy it with me. I don't even care if she does. And I don't want to have any dinner parties. I'm antisocial. So I just want to be there by myself enjoying my painting. And by the way, the painting may be a, a duplicate because the original is in a vault. And, and he said, that is really no different than me deciding that I want to have something which is identifiable, which is verifiable, which is a unique ownership position in the metaverse of a digitally represented piece of art. There is no difference from my point of view. And so 
So, so that got me thinking. And I, I think that you saw Justin Bieber today. Justin Bieber just paid $1.5 million for some cartoon NFT today. That, that was like trending on, on Twitter today. Right. And so uh, now he's in it. And uh, New Yorker this week had a very interesting article. What do I wear in the metaverse? And that article is very important. This article in the New Yorker went, did a lot of homework and looked at every major fashion brand that's now in the metaverse. And, and basically, I'm telling you, every major uh, fashion brand is operating in the metaverse right now. And that's only in the last like three or four months. So it's happening in front of our eyes. And, you know, what I challenged all of these property guys to do is to say, you're making a very good money. You're making a couple of hundred grand a year at your base salary. For God's sakes, take $2,000 tuition money and buy something on the metaverse, buy a piece of property. This is what you do, right? This is what you do as a property analyst. You go to the city, you sniff around, you look at where the good neighborhoods are. You look at what the up and coming neighborhoods are. You have to guess. You have to have an educated guess and a sense of lo location, 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 yeah. right? And, and when you do that, then you can get to a point where you can say, uh, by the way, there's a metro going here. I just found out through the city council member who's a friend of mine, the metro's going here. So you learn about what causes value to be created. What are these sites that you just talked about? A couple of them, Paul. There's a lot of chatter on LinkedIn in the last week. Where's the good neighborhoods? LinkedIn is getting into this, right? A lot of people are doing... Um, Which probably makes, it, probably makes it over done with if LinkedIn's getting into it, but that's neither here nor there. Well, <laughs> no, 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 there's a lot of like techie, geeky, crypto cypherpunks on, on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's kind of a, a cypherpunk neighborhood, legitimate, and, and people are pretty switched on. So it's happening in front of our eyes. I just had a call last night with a big client in Los Angeles, and they're struggling with this as well, and, 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 and they take it very seriously. And, and, and one of the things that we talked about last night was, man, you had better, you know, effing take this seriously when Microsoft just chucked out, whatever, $78 billion for Activision. They get, yep. they know that the gaming companies are the way into the metaverse. And they just chucked out $80 billion for this. Microsoft gets it. When do we have a situation where, you know, and again, two good examples are, LVMH, LVMH and Nike are probably good examples. So when the Kyrie Irving sneakers sell more digital copies than you asked me before about what do you wear in the, in the metaverse, right? So when does Kyrie's latest, latest sneaker sell more copies in the, in the metaverse than it does physically? When does, when does LVMH sell more LVMH bags or, or, you know, or, or, the, or, the, or the Hermes sell the Birkin bag? Where do they sell more Birkin bags digitally? than they do in practice. But again, is that coming? I mean, is that... Yeah, it's coming, it's coming. It's exactly the same question as people saying, well, you're always going to be selling your, your stuff out of your, out of your physical stores and the e-commerce thing, and it'll come along and it'll take like eight years. And it took like two for people to sell more stuff on e-commerce than they did in the physical stores. That happened really fast. And I would say there is a very good, uh, reasonable expectation that similar dynamic will occur in this reality of the metaverse in the same way that people switch from physical stores to e-commerce sites. Mm. And that happened very rapidly. And it, it, it was a hell of a lot faster than anybody was talking about 
seven, eight, ten years ago, right? Now nobody goes to physical stores anymore, right? Mm. So, and so, so yeah. So, so I look at this, mate, and the, the one question I would have as as someone who is looking to spend that couple of thousand dollars, maybe some more than that, like in in buying property in the metaverse is hundreds, you know, it's not dozens, it's hundreds of, of metaverse startups coming in, wanting to be the next sandbox, for example, right? And I use sandbox as the generic example. So how do, how do you, obviously this stuff's going to be volatile. We know that, right? We, we, we know that, right? Um, how do we know? Is it just? Is this going to be? Is this going to be very faddish? That it's something you have to trade in and out of? I mean, I'm going to assume that the the property that you're the digital property that you're owning is not like a generational Hamptons home or a place in the Cotswold in the Cotswolds or the like. That the the definition of a long of a long term asset is is months, not years, not decades. Well, look at I I would say that the the best analogy I could come up with was when the when, when we have we're we're laying a new digital tracks, blockchain based central bank distributed currency, along the rails of major e-commerce companies like you know Alibaba, Tencent, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, uh, and a couple of others are going to be the main railroad systems that are going to be basically a railroad oligopoly. And you're in Chicago, right? Chicago became Chicago because of the railroads. And you really had to kind of look carefully on maps and say, what makes sense for where's the hub going to be? Where's the hub that's between the, 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 the rivers and the lakes and the, the plains where you can move the cattle to get slaughtered? And where's there going to be a really liberal you know, regime, a, a governmental regime that's going to allow this to happen? And the answer, Chicago. That's why Chicago became one of the great cities in the world. Mm-hmm. And before railroad, nobody even knew what the fuck Chicago was. No one knew about it. But Philadelphia died, right? Akron died, right? Chicago rose. New York rose as Philadelphia died, right? Downtown LA died. Downtown LA was where the railroads were, and they never made anything of it. LA moved to the beach. You got to be aware of these dynamics. And I bet you that Justin Bieber doing one thing has just created a whole new like city. Right? right where, where he right. laid his one and a half dollars. That just created a new neighborhood, right? In mm. in that neighborhood, right? And so I, I think there's it, of course it's going to be faddish, uh, but there's also going to be some practicality to it. There's a lot of bets on on alternatives to Ethereum right now. There are a lot of naysayers, right? There are a lot of naysayers. There, there's always going to be naysayers. In, Na- naysayers into the, in the effectiveness of Ethereum and Solana and the like, or naysayers around the challenges to Ethereum? Naysayers who are saying that this whole population of people who are escaping the traditional banking, fractional reserve, central bank-driven system, which is, by the way, broken, corrupt, unfair, unjust, unequal, that the thing that they are creating is actually more unequal because of the, 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 the economics of Ethereum and the economics of so many of the players in Bitcoin and in other cryptocurrencies that are sort of, you know, the, 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 the currency of choice in the, the metaverse are mm. essentially all 
pretty good examples of oligopolies or monopolies. I mean, you have a very tiny portion of people who control 85 or 90% of Bitcoin. Yeah. Right? Ethereum has like a major 80% plus market share in smart contracts. <laughs> yeah. Right? What is that called? And so I am, I'm kind of like, don't give me this like thing that you're creating this new Marxist, blow it up and, and reinvent this wonderful world. Millennials and Gen Z are looking to make a buck. They're looking to make a buck in a world where they think they have a comparative advantage because of their knowledge of technology away from the over 40 crowd who are part of a corrupted, broken, unequal system that they never will have a chance in hell of ever having a real living. I, I buy that. Let, let's call a spade a spade here. So, mate, so where, so where does the, where's the, these, what I call a bridge company, right? So where does, where does, no, where does Galaxy fit into this? So where does Novo and all those guys, and let's, let's face it, they're all, they're all my old colleagues from, from Goldman Sachs in Asia are the Galaxy board, right? You know, Novo, I think Novo has done a remarkable job at being, he's a charismatic guy, but he's a sensible voice in the crypto, in the crypto space. He's, by the way, next with Novo is one of the best, best 20-minute podcast you'll listen to on a weekly basis on what's going on in the NFT world. It's fantastic. Where does the, 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 that, that crowd that, who are trying to institutionalize all of this, where do they stand? Or is this such a, an upheaval, a revolution, sounds like a cliche, I know, that there's never going to be room for the institutionalization, the Goldman Sachsization of of the blockchain universe. Yeah, that was a point today because President Biden today, funny enough, on this exact topic in the last 24 hours, he has basically um, put the, get this, he has basically put the entire topic of central bank distributed currency and um, crypto into the element. He said, this is now a national security matter. This is going. But the Department, the State Department and the Department of Defense would ban crypto tomorrow. Right, because without there's there's no cyber theft without crypto. Because last time I looked, when you hack you hack into so, hack into someone and steal their data, giving them your routing and account number doesn't really work that well. Right? I know. And so America is terrified of losing control of SWIFT. They're losing. They're they're terrified of losing control of DTCC. SWIFT is the uh, nerve center of the global banking system. DTCC in New York is the nerve center of the all equity and bond trading. And yep. the Federal Reserve is, and the Treasury Department is the nerve center, essentially, for the global bond market, because the U.S. bond market, government bond market, is the benchmark for all bonds in the world. And so the U.S. is terrified of losing that hegemony, that economic hegemony. And so, so Biden now saying that crypto is a national security issue, I, I think America's making a terrible, terrible mistake by not uh, engaging and uh, embracing crypto and central bank distributed coin. I think it's making a terrible, terrible mistake. It's, it's alienating itself. It's not, it's not trying to save itself, right? It, it's it's going to backfire terribly. Uh, which, makes, and, which goes, by the way, which goes to the crux, that goes to the crux of the argument about this about this institutionalization and the pushback against and the pushback against change, well, change which you certainly believe is inevitable, right? And I I, I, be, I believe it's inevitable, but there's going to be a massive fight on its hands, right? But it goes back to that that fundamental question of can you allow allow a a generation of people who just see the world differently to 
the regulators and investment bankers and the governments and the government that oversees what they do, can they flourish if the old guard is pushing back to the extent that it is? Paul, I would have said, and I have a couple of clients who are very close to, to Novo. I have a couple of clients who are ex-Goldman, and they're, they're, they're very sort of very unique Marxist-type thinkers about what's going on. That question you just asked me, one year ago, even 18 months ago, I would have said, don't worry, the U.S. is going to come around. They'll figure it out. But, but I would say in the last year, the anti-China rhetoric has become so um, vehement, so vitriolic that people are being taken into rooms and they're saying, you know what, why don't you just shut up? What you need to shut your mouth about crypto and about being friends with China and about sort of joining up with the CBDC and Red Date and Alibaba and Tencent, you know, STFU. And if you don't understand what we're talking about, we're going to make life really tough. And I know those conversations have already started with a lot of people. And so I have clients now who would have been very, who are very liberal-minded people who would have been willing to pick a fight with the U.S. government and say, I want to, you know, knock some sense into you. Please listen to me because I know what I'm talking about because I've been doing this for 30 years. Those conversations, Paul, are finished. Yeah. You know, that's the deal. These conversations are not happening anymore. And more and more of what we discuss in crypto in uh, blockchain-related stuff, in cooperating on, on Red Date and the, the, P, the, 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 the PBOC, CNY, interconnection. Forget it. Done. Finished. That is a burned-out uh, building that is no longer functional. That is mm. not a conversation anymore. And that's sad, and that's the reality that we live in. We are mm. gonna, we're, we're moving aggressively into a, two a two-tiered world where China's going to have its own system, and the West is going to have its own system, and that's it. And America is going to be on top of it. And America has been browbeating everybody in Europe to get on board with this as well, because Europe was very keen to cooperate with the uh, CNY, you see, but that just is not really, I don't well, think it's going to happen. Well, there is a middle ground here, right? So, so the, European, the Europeans are exploring a digital euro, right? So the big issue for me with the United States, where I think this eventually all fails and ends in tears for the US on, on there in terms of financial leadership, is the notion that the Republican Party is never going to vote for a currency, a digital currency that can be traced. And the reality is for all the checks and balances that can be talked about, um, a digital currency, a programmable currency at its core is a traceable currency, right? And at the end of the day, it's the reason why the $100 bill still, still exists, right? There's, there is no economic reason for the $100 bill to, to still exist. You wanted to get rid of global terrorism and drug dealers around the world? Get rid of the $100 bill, right? That's a, a big part, right? But the reality <laughs> is that it's, it still exists in the United States because there is this, this, the Republican Party in particular has a paranoia about government tracing its citizens. And the most efficient monetary policy tool that we have ever witnessed, i.e. when it occurs, programmable currency, which basically could, would, I would argue, would eradicate the economic cycle, right, if you had a, if you had a digital currency. You could, smooth, you could smooth every glitch out anywhere you wanted. It's just never going to occur in the United States because of privacy reasons. And that leaves the US way behind, not, ju not just China, putting demographics to one side, Europe becomes financially a much more efficient economy, right? 
Asia in general becomes a much more efficient economy, right? Africa embraces this stuff. LATAM embraces this stuff. That's right. I, I think that people already have enough of a problem with, with the food stamps that, well, how come I can't buy cigarettes with food stamps? Well, you can't. You've got to buy groceries with food stamps, right? And if you have a programmable currency, it tells you what to buy and when to buy it. And they, these, as you said, they, they, these programmable currencies can have an expiration date. And I don't think America will buy into that for one second. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think the expiration date on a programmable currency is really interesting because it it really smooths the cycle. Yeah. So 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 a great example is if you have a a natural disaster in in a in a, in a certain in a certain area, right? Right. So, sorry, COVID, right? Co- a pandemic occurs, and you say. We're going to flood the US economy with $3 trillion of programmable currency that have to be spent in the next six months. Right. Well, if it's done in six months' time, you don't have asset bubbles, right? Exactly. You have reinforced small business, right? You have balance sheet reinforcement. You have jobs that can be kept. You have businesses that can stay open during hardship. But you you don't have structural asset bubbles where if I'm in the top... 5% 5% of income earners, I can borrow as much money as I want for as long as I want because the Fed's doing QE currently. Well, and then, of course, you have endless Supreme Court decisions and, you know, appeals court and superior court decisions on the legality of what the American government can legally tell you to do what's with your money. It's just that thing, right? By the way, they should have said, here's a program of money. You can do whatever you want with it for six months. It expires on June 30th, but you can't give it to your broker dealer. Right. Yeah. This is going into your broker dealer account. You know, I, I don't know whether smart contract that says spend it anywhere but Schwab or Robin Hood says, but then that's there you go. Right. That's what it is. Right. Oh. So, so I think that's right. And of course, today, the head of the FBI, he he was on a real uh, tirade today. He said basically that China is far and away the number one enemy of the United States right now. And does this guy even have a newspaper? Does this guy even? look outside of his window to see about what's going on in the Ukraine and the Crimea and Georgia and Syria and on and on and what Russia has been up to for the last six years of, of being on a, on a ruthless land grab, you know, in Europe. And, and so I, I, I'm beside myself, Paul. I think we are just moving into a national, and I lived in that world in the Reagan White House where so much of everything was a national security item based upon, you know, opposing the Soviet Union. We're exactly back to that right now. And I think this Joe Biden's administration looks and feels and and smells like Reagan's administration. That's how far right the Republican Party has gone. The extreme right wing of the Republican Party has turned the Democrats into sort of drag them, drag them to the right with them. Totally. So Biden is like Eisenhower and Anthony Blinken is like the Dulles brothers. From the 1950s, right? And uh, so we have a weird world. And, and so I think you're, you're making great points. And I think that that people like Novo and, and other like really bright lights, people who are like, hey, get on board with this. It makes sense. This is good for the economy. And they're just going to say, you know what? Thanks and beat it and get lost. We're not interested. We're not. This is not this argument's not happening anymore. Well, look, you know, the, the utopian dream of a completely decentralised financial world is you don't need the investment banking community. You don't really need to have the investment, the, the Goldman Sachs of, of the Goldman Sachs of blockchain and digital assets, which is what Galaxy, you know, is striving to be. 
the question is, do you, do you really need that? And, and, that, and by the way, that's the problem that Coinbase has right now, right, at its core. It's, a, it's an institutional business in a, de- in a decentralized, decentralized area. So in five years' time, do you need Coinbase? Well, Paul, what I was thinking about today was when we look at the, the I mean, there's been like a, a just a complete wipeout of millions of American retail investors and in all of this tech stuff, not just in Bitcoin and crypto and NFT, all this, all this stuff. Every one of these like like sexy tech stocks has been. Wait, the, price, the price of Robinhood's down 90 percent, right? And and, right. and that's right. And so you and I talked from about from probably seeing probably a bit of a, a pretty hardcore bounce coming coming up here. And that's what I said to my clients over the weekend. And, and we've had a, you know a lot of these stocks have bounced even 10, 15 percent in 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 one or two days. But I'll give you an example. I mean. Some of these stocks, I mean, Robinhood got to a single digit $9 stock, and that used to be whatever, 50. No, right? it was up close to, no, I think it was not, I think nearly got to 90, is my guess. Well, yeah, like for a couple of days, and then, yeah, yeah. But, but that's right. So, what you've got basically is, is these stocks are up 20%, but you could, that means they're just back to their old highs from like two weeks ago, <laughs> you know, right? So, I think there's a lot of retail investors who have been burned to a cinder on this. and. This is going to cause the Fed to pause. There's a million. That's why that University of Michigan sentiment index last week was very important. I think mm. the damage to the consumer sentiment because of millions of Americans who've been cleaned out because of all this crap that went down 60, 70, 80, 90%, uh, that's going to have a lot of damage to the American sentiment and consumer spending. And, and, and are these guys going to say, what, why, when I, what was I thinking trusting Robinhood? Right. What was I thinking? Trusting an institutional arrangement that said we're different. Right. We're wrong. Want to hear a great? Want to hear a great? A great stat. The average account at Charles Schwab is around two hundred and forty thousand dollars. The average yep. account yep. size at Robinhood is thirty five hundred dollars. Yep. And Scott Galloway. Scott Galloway from the Pivot Podcast. I saw that uh, from him. Great. Sums it all. Yeah. More important. The, the average years of experience of people at Robinhood was like three. They've never seen a bear market. And so all these people have cleaned out. And there's about, uh, the number that comes to my head is about 7 million, right? And, and that's a very big chunk of like people who participate in the equity market. Mm. And it's a decent chunk of the like middle-class Americans. It's a, it's, a, it's a chunky number, right? And then not to mention, now here's what really bugs me, right? So, so, so listen, Dennis Paul, you and I have been around the block on all this since the early 90s. And you know, 98 Finance One in Bangkok was just like out of control. And that blew up the Thailand economy. 1998 was long-term capital management. 2000, Credit Suisse, investment banking, Credit Suisse, private bank. 2008, Merrill Lynch, retail, blew to smithereens, right? And then, of course, Citibank blew to smithereens as well. Yep. Uh, now, to come around to 2021, and a lot of this was starts with G and ends with S. And all, what were these people doing? All these people were pumping out overpriced IPOs and they were using their private banks and the bank leverage of private banks for their private bank clients to buy these IPOs. When the wheels fall off of this, it has a terrible cascading effect, mm. right? Because it wrecks the IPO market. It, 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 it boomerangs back onto the private equity companies whose existing holdings go down in value. Down, there's down rounds coming up. Your retail investor gets cleaned out, always at the top of the cycle, which is exactly yep. what retail participation in all of this stuff peaked in the third quarter of 2021. 
VC marks are down 15, Q4 VC marks are down about, tech VC is down 15 to 30%. Yeah, that's right. I, that, that's something that I, I, would, I would have expected. I, I think there's a couple of exceptions there because, by the way, I think the exceptions are going to be related to the U.S. government, <laughs> right? Quantum computing, all kinds of cyber security, cyber insurance, quantum. I think can, I think cannabis comes back because I think if you think about this, right? You now cannabis stocks were fell in line with all this the Kathy what I call the Kathy Wood universe. It's pretty hard to see how. From a, a tax revenue standpoint, how cannabis is not viewed as low-hanging fruit. And eventually what's going to happen is you'll see that's a constructive narrative in regards to tax states will legalize for the legalize with the tax revenue. Eventually, equity holders will be able to custody these assets with the state streets and the JP Morgans and the world and the like. And that I think as a long-term thematic, I think that's a really compelling one. Obviously, <laughs> it's the other end of the spectrum to quantum computing, of course, yeah. but no, but no. But, it's one of the things that you know, should go forward. That's the stuff that's interesting. I mean, one thing I will say, mate, is, and again, what, what I love about our, our conversations is that I tend to think of the world, you know, with our climate stuff that we do, I tend to think about the world in, in 10, 20, and 30-year blocks where, you know, you, your, your stuff with the metaverse, as you think, it's really, you could argue it's a rolling, probably even a rolling one-year cycle is probably the best way to think about it, isn't it? I was having a long, long two-and-a-half-hour conversation with a client last night about this. And this is a really major, just first-rate thinker, 25 years, uh, really excellent performance. We were talking a lot about this last night. I think this is one of those things where when markets fall apart like they did in 2000, 2008, 1998, you know, and so forth, I think leaders, leader, market leadership is going to change. I think we're going to get different leadership coming out of this. Right. And, you know, what I'm thinking of is that some of the, the winners out of this are not going to be the ones that we have been investing in in the past. And like, for instance, I think what Microsoft did with Activision makes Microsoft a very interesting financial stock now. I think yeah. Apple increasingly becoming a financial stock now. Right. An unleveraged financial stock where where Apple Pay is completely taking over. Uh, the universe. And I think a lot of these guys are going to just swallow up a lot of the sexy stuff that we thought Square was going to be really good at, or that Robinhood was going to be really good at, or that some of these other logistics companies were going to be good at. I think that Amazon is going to increasingly go into this. And I think that we're going to get a world where these companies, and they're, they're down you know, 20, 30%. C is down more than 50%. C is going to be a leader in this, right? And so I think we have to look at C in, in this. It's C has been creamed. And I want to look at the stocks that have been punished. Because why? Because a lot of people were selling the good to cover the losses and the bad, which is one of the first you can get you, you can do. And, and we're all guilty of that. I want to see what has been punished with the, the good with the bad. What has been thrown out with the baby? And I think C is one of those ones that was thrown out with the baby. Well, mate, a sector which has been crushed of late has been climate, whether it's solar, wind, nuclear, the whole, you know, any, anything around climate innovation. And again, there's no need for me to sit here and reiterate what the long-term climate story is, because there's going to be more money spent on climate than there is on on any other narrative in our in our lifetime, right? And but the you know, but solar, you know, solar stocks, EV, battery, you know, stuff that has such a tremendous long-term narrative behind it. Just been smashed. 
it's just been smashed. And yeah, man, I'm going to give a little plug for something we're doing in the next couple of weeks. Feb 14 is the first climate transformed, which is our climate, which is our, our climate research business. Climate transformed with Sino Auto Insights, which is a leading EV company in in consulting business in China, doing mobility. Two weeks, thirty hours of thirty hours of content, virtual content over that that three weeks. Keynote from Amazon, keynote from Stellantis, WSP, Benchmark. We've got surprises all surprises all over the place, mate. Everything from the extraction of rare earths for batteries all the way all the way through to autonomous driving and everything and everything in between so I'll, everyone I'll send I'll send through registration links it's all it's all free please come along and just love to hear right, I'll be there I'll be there sounds fantastic sounds fascinating perfect mate well what's what's the plan this week well chinese new year so everyone's gone radio silenced uh okay fat joy to everybody people are focused what's the focus everyone's focused on the ukraine right now I have been saying aggressively that the Fed is not going to be raising rates very much. Um, three things. One, massive backup in, in, in the 10-year has done a lot of the work. A big backup in uh, junk relative to investment grade and wipeout of a lot of retail investors. And I was talking to someone today. He's, again, he's 45 years in the business, and he, he, he has a very good mathematical model for credit spreads. And he was saying that with, with all of these three things together that we're looking at, the, the market's already given us five rate hikes, right? Yep. So it's going to come along with one or two because we've had a lot of damage out there. Yeah, look, I mean, the, the stickiness of inflation due to supply chain issues and, and labor and obviously all these baby boomers retiring en masse, look, it won't take a lot more of an equity correction to get them to go back to work. We should keep certainly keep an eye on, uh, eye on that. So... Mate, always great to do this. This is always yeah. more fun for me than it is for everybody else. And we will do this again very, very shortly. So what's, a, what's, a, what's a, her, his or her name? His name is Willie Guillermo. So for those who are listening, Willie, Willie the uh, Chawini? Jack Weenie. Uh, Jack Weenie. Jack Russell, Doxy Mix. As cute as Paul Schulte is, is Willie the dog. So, mate, we'll chat to you very shortly. Adios, yeah. Thanks.